Lord Jesus Christ, we love you and we adore you and we are excited to come together today and just gaze upon your beauty and the beauty of the incarnation. Guard my words, Lord. May I speak words that are from you and not words that, um, that hurt. So guard me, Lord. Open our hearts that we may hear from you. And it's in your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So being jostled or, or shaken isn't something that we particularly enjoy in life. Uh, at least most sane people don't, at least. Most sane people don't like being woken up by a gong, you know, or something loud like that. That's, that's a horrible thing uh, to do to someone. Uh, and it's actually a, a trend in middle schools these days to do away with the bell system. Uh, the school that, that I used to work at, Minnehaha, they just did that this year. And we had this expert come, and, and she shared with us that those bells that are going off in schools are actually knocking years off of your teachers' lives. Every time they go off, they're very stress-inducing and evil and bad. So we got rid of those. I'm really glad I don't have to listen to those anymore uh, here as a pastor. Uh, but also, not just in the little day-to-day things, but we as Americans, on a much, uh, just on an on a individual, personal level, we don't like being shaken up either. We shield our lives quite well from these kinds of things, and even our emotions from being jostled. We establish weekly routines for ourselves that are very predictable. They go um, quite according to plan. We also create little emotional barriers for ourselves as well that help guard us sometimes from being hurt too much by other people. Well, Advent is an interesting routine for Christians. In some sense, it's very predictable. It it comes every single year. It's another routine for us meant to foster a a sense of the sacred, uh, to encourage intimacy with the Lord. And the messages of of that sort of sense of Advent are are very um, predictable and, and good along those lines, very comforting. Do not fear, for God is with us. God brings good news for all peoples on earth. Peace on earth. These are the messages that we love from Advent. But, like someone swinging, uh, swinging golf clubs at wine glasses, there are some other messages of Advent that jostle us, that, that alert us, that cause us to wake up. Like a thief in the night, God can interrupt you at any time. Stay awake is often a, a message that we hear. Be prepared. He comes to separate the sheep from the goats. And again, these are jostling, not so like cozy, Merry Christmas kinds of messages, are they? Well, God's surprising interruptions is a regular theme that surrounds Advent. Elizabeth and Zechariah, Mary and Joseph, even King Herod himself, and then later, as we'll see in our readings, Simeon and Anna. These are all characters who are gobsmacked both positively and negatively, when they encounter God's announcements. Well, today we celebrate a great moment in which God strikes the entire universe, in which the heavens are rattled themselves and the sky reverberates with the good news of God's kingdom here on earth. Today we celebrate the day in which divinity steps into the ordinary. But the day doesn't start off very loud, does it? Christmas Day starts off very quiet and still. As we'll sing here in a little bit, Silent Night is the way that the day starts. But it, was, it doesn't stay that way for very long, does it? But that night, it's very still. Even in the fields of Bethlehem, this is where the shepherds, we find them laying. It's probably a warm, dry, sort of arid night for them. 
You can probably imagine some sheep surrounding the shepherds, snoring and wheezing, probably like a, a puppy dog or something like that. It's not at all like, like Lake Nokomis here, where we have planes flying over every 60 seconds, over and over. There's no car alarms, there's no sirens going on at this, on this night. No, it's a very quiet night. The shepherds are probably slowly waking up, counting the stars uh, as they're slowly disappearing and giving way to, night, to the daytime. I wonder how that first shepherd reacted when he saw the angel. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Be wondering, like, is this a dream? Is, is this reality? What's, what's going on right now? Did he scream out? Did he yell for help? Was he just calmly nudging his neighbor like, hey, 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 buddy, check this out. Regardless, he was probably just as shocked as we were, as we are to see that the angel came to visit shepherds at first. You know, these folks are lowest on the economic totem pole. They're the burger flippers, the cashiers, the garbage collectors, the custodians. Sure, we might be nice to these people, at least when they're serving us, but once we're out of sight, once our, our order of business has been completed, we forget their names and their faces, and our duty carries on. You know what's going on. And even in our biblical text, the names of the shepherds aren't recorded. We don't know who they are. We don't know their stories. We don't know if maybe they've had career aspirations to be a shepherd. This is like the creme de la creme you know, for them. I doubt that's the case. And sometimes in some books and whatever, some people will speculate that these shepherds were of high moral standing, that they were very well taught theologically. But I, I kind of wonder if, if that's just all speculation. I mean, these are blue-collared, everyday workers. They're not people of influence. The only persons who are affected by their decision-making abilities are the sheep. And my guess is the sheep didn't necessarily vote for their shepherd, did they? The, the point is we ought to be surprised that the baby shower of our Lord Jesus Christ was only attended by people who sleep outside. They're the only ones who were there. Well, then the angel stands before the shepherds. And I bet he was a tall creature, just towering over them, emanating both light and warmth upon them. So surely as they're waking up, not only are they experiencing the angel with their eyes, but they're experiencing them with the, their own bodies. Their skin is feeling the warmth of this creature. And you can imagine they're rattled to their absolute core. And the angel speaks to them. I bring to you great news. Unto you this day has been born a savior. There will be a great sign to you, says the angel. You see, these shepherds aren't just merely errand boys. They're not meant to go and tell other people. And they're not just extras in our little Fisher-Price nativity sets just to kind of fill it out or anything. That's not the purpose of the shepherds. They themselves are the recipients of God's good news. They themselves are the recipients of it. To you, says the angel, nevermore will you be ignorant of God. Nevermore will you be ignorant of his deep love for you. And then, that's not all, the sky ripples with light, and then even more angels appear before the shepherds. Entire armies, and I love the, the line from the song that we, that we sang this morning, rank upon rank of angel armies filled the sky. You can imagine that'd be pretty terrifying, right? Elsewhere in the Bible, we hear that angels carry swords that are flaming. They've got massive wings. They're towering creatures. 
But instead of war cries, we hear them singing forth glorious music of praise. Of course, those angels, regardless of the words, are probably thinking, am I going to die right now? (laughs) What's going to happen? Am I already dead, perhaps? You see, the shepherds were utterly, horribly, but yet graciously shaken and alarmed by God that night. Can you imagine how, how the rest of your life would look after an encounter like that? Would other people believe what you had experienced? Here, the heavens were opened up and the contents poured out upon this field in Bethlehem. Those shepherds' lives must have been forever changed. They heard the footsteps and songs of heavenly angels. But the angels are not the saviors of the world. They're merely messengers themselves. The world was not saved by angels. For us to see God's true might and his true power, we must follow those shepherds to Bethlehem. And we ourselves must, alongside these shepherds, peer into the manger. For it's here that we find a baby, wrapped in ordinary clothes, belonging to ordinary parents, laying in an ordinary manger, which wasn't normal. For those of you who don't know what a manger is, it's, it's a feeding trough. You know, hopefully your parents didn't place you in a feeding trough when you were born, but that's all that they had. You can imagine the shepherds probably walked into that cave or whatever it was, and they thought, really? We just heard angels declaring the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord is here, and, and we're led to this? A cave? A manger? Have you ever pulled into a parking lot of a hotel that you booked online or something, and you're like, oh Jesus, this is not what I thought I had booked. This is not where I'm staying tonight. Well, I'm sure that's something similar to what the shepherds were thinking. Surely the angels, we we misunderstood what they were thinking. But this is where we find God's Messiah, as promised by all those angels. Here we find the second person of the Trinity himself. As our creed tells us, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten and not made. Through him all things were made. And he himself was made man. We find him, the creator of the cosmos, laying here, needing to be shushed by his parents, needing to be swayed to sleep by his mom, a little tiny baby. Now this truth that we come to celebrate, it's one of the great scandals of Christianity. It, was, it, is, a, it is currently an offense to many. Not just today, but it always has been. This has always been a stumbling block to people. That God himself would clothe himself in human flesh, and walk among us. Written written across the side of every mosque, uh, on the dome of every mosque, are the words, God has no son. In Islam, God is truly powerful, but he's never truly empathetic. He does not enter into our sorrows. He is to be feared and revered. In fact, the idea of God clothing himself in human flesh is complete anathema to the Islamic religion. It's blasphemy. And those who convert from Islam to Christianity are at minimum cut off from their families and sometimes worse. Now this isn't a a statement against Muslims. We are are friends with them. We, We sponsor a refugee family and whatnot. So the Lord calls us to love our neighbors, right? Now the modern agnostic also denies that God has any interest in the events of planet Earth. This universe is mind bogglingly huge and massive. If there is a God, why would he care about our particular ball of dust floating around in the universe, right? 
We are, ti- we are like ants, tiny little ants, just crawling, squabbling amongst ourselves amongst, about the most trivial of things. An all-powerful being would have no interest in visiting our little ball of dust, the agnostic would say. So the thought of a powerful, mighty God becoming a child, requiring his diapers to be changed, spitting up, crying in the middle of the night, this is an offense to the modern mind. But this is what we read in the scriptures that actually happened. We have the words of of eyewitnesses who were there that has been recorded for us and handed down. And these words are trustworthy and true. In fact, from Titus this morning, I, I love the reading that was assigned for this day. Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to, pur- and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. You see, God is not only born human, but human he will die. A true death, a real death, a death like yours, a death like mine. And in his death, everything that separates you from the throne of God will be killed. He is born so that death itself might die. My girls right now are are reading The Magician's Nephew, which is uh, in the Chronicle of Narnia, a series by C.S. Lewis. And there's there's this moment where they're... um, kind of a a realization about the lion's uh, way that he communicates to the characters. You see, to the children, those who who love the lion, they hear the lion speak, and they can understand his words, they understand his language, his his grammar, uh, they understand the meaning of what he's trying to say. But for the magician, he's a little confused, because all he hears when the lion speaks is just a low, grumbling sound. It's a little rattling for him at first, right? Well, Christmas is one of those moments when we are invited to gaze into the manger and hear the word of God, to see the word of God. And we are just like those unnamed poor shepherds. The angel song still rings in our ears. And in this moment, we see a cradle for the child, but we also see a star for the divine son of God, fully God, And fully man. So perhaps for you this morning, you hear and you see that word of God, and you just hear the low growling of a lion. Yes, it's a beautiful sound if you've ever heard a lion purr or growl. It's also a terrifying sound. But ultimately, maybe it's not meaningful to you. Perhaps this morning, though, you look upon the Christ, and my prayer is that you experience the words that he's speaking to you, the love that he's speaking over you, that he loves you, that he's present with you, that he's walking with you, and that ultimately he dies for you so that you could be with him. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for interrupting our world, for announcing your arrival here, for coming and being with us, not leaving us alone in darkness but coming in and shining forth your bright light. Lord, I pray that we would all this morning be warmed by that light. And we know that you are here and that you are present with us, desiring to be with us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.